Mamas, we are in for a real treat this week. My favorite meditation podcaster, Kelly Smith, joins us, and she is the host of the Mindful in Minutes podcast. I randomly found her on my podcast app by typing in meditation, and I've been following her for about a year now. And not only are her meditations legit, I've spoken with her, and she's just so down to earth and such a kind, loving person. You're getting a twofer this week, so we'll be doing the interview with Kelly, and we're going to get a bonus mini episode with a meditation that she created just for us mamas. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. Okay, let's listen in. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Kelly. I really appreciate you. I have been obsessed with your podcast for about a year now, and every time I listen to an episode, I'm like, yes, that is exactly what I needed. So I'm very excited to share you with my audience because I know that they will be equally as obsessed with you. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for that that nice intro. Built, <laughs> built me up. <laughs> yeah. You're I mean, I seriously like tell everybody about you and I I like I tag you almost every single time I include you in my stories because I'm like everybody like go to her her like podcast and listen to it. Like it's amazing. Um but yeah, so I kind of just wanted to start off um with I, I know a little bit about you, but um, it seems like yoga and meditation has kind of been a part of your life since you were like basically in high school. Yeah, I um, I mean, with everything, it's just it's been such a journey, and I have found meditation and yoga to be something you know throughout life that's really helped me, especially during the hard times. You know, when you when you revisit it, and those times when you're really struggling, and you you're like, okay, I need a little help. Um, that that this is what I keep coming back to. And I first started to do that. Um, yeah, I started practicing yoga when I was really young. Like my mom used to have to drive me to my yoga classes. <laughs> so I'd be like, Hey mom, can you give me a ride to yoga? And, um, and so we'd go and it was because I was an athlete. I was an athlete all the way through college. And I started yoga in particular for like the physical benefits, right? I wanted the good stretch. This is what we hear time and time again, where it's like, Oh, you must be so flexible. You do yoga. And, but it, and it was good for that. Um, but it wasn't until like, then, then my mom, who is also, you know, she's a huge influence in my life and really has helped shape this journey that I've been on. Um, she, when I was in high school, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and I became her primary caregiver. And she and I used to do, you know, yoga together and, you know, maybe go to classes, but it was always very like, you know, physical. I used to be a, um, Shavasana skipper. So I call myself a reformed Shavasana skipper, which is for your listeners, that part where you lay at the end, you know, and you kind of just lay there and maybe your teachers say nice things. And I would just roll up my mat and sneak out. Cause I thought, well, I'm not burning any calories. So what's the point? Oh which my gosh. Now I can't like, <laughs> that's like my that's, favorite part. <laughs> oh, I'm just like, yes, I, it's the most shameful thing I've ever done now, but <laughs> being a Shavasana skipper. But I, it wasn't until then I was practicing with my mom and, you know, after all her treatments and her surgeries, she couldn't do that hot, you know, power vinyasa practice anymore. We had to start doing gentler things, you know, meditation, restorative yoga, things like that. And it kind of opened up my eyes to that softer side of yoga. And then I still kind of, you know, stuck with my, my physical practice because that's what I was comfortable with. I was an athlete. I was comfortable with my, you know, manipulating my body, making it stronger, making it more flexible. And it wasn't then until, um, you know, after I graduated college and became a yoga teacher and moved to the middle of nowhere, Missouri, that, and opened a yoga studio, I decided, you know, to heck with, you know, everything else, I'm going to give this a try. And then again, a lot of my people that were coming were people that didn't need that really powerful practice. They just wanted to be able to tie their shoes on their own mm. or their doctor said, you know, you need to get your, um, you know, your blood pressure under control, whatever it is. And I was once again, then challenged to explore the softer side of yoga. Mm -hmm. And it's really something that I've just kind of fallen in love with and it's just continued to evolve over time and and has just been such a great kind of escape for me during those really hard times that we all experience in life and it's yeah. also something I can do at any point yeah. instead of you know always doing the you know the big hot fiery practice and then skip out on shavasana <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I when I started doing yoga I think I was in I was in high school it was such a like weird concept for me because they'd be like 
and pull your tummy in, but like stick your back out and pull your butt in and like do the, I'm like, all of these things you're telling me are, are opposing. I don't understand. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing with my body? It just seemed like it was such, like they were telling me to do these things that didn't make sense. Like, I'm like, my body doesn't move like that. Um, so it was kind of challenging for me in the beginning. And, um, and for me, I think I did it for the physical aspect of it too. Um, and also because I was like, yoga doesn't even seem that hard. You know, I'm like, I, like people say like yoga is a practice and like, and it's like very challenging, but I'm like, you're standing there. Like how, how hard can that be? You know? And, but it is very challenging. And I, I love how it kind of like reflects life in a way. I think I know what you're, what you're saying. And often I hear students describe this or I've experienced this. A lot of times it happens like, you know, when I take people on retreat or things like that. And it, it's like, maybe you walked in the door for the physical, but you stayed for that bit that was beyond it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, often I like to remind my students of things, even if we're doing a more physical practice, say, you know, you're holding a plank or something is reminding them, you know, this might be challenging, but challenging isn't bad. It's challenging. Or, you know, think about what you've overcome in life, like a five breath plank, no problem. Right. Um, You know, if, if you can kind of experience the discomfort and move through it here on your mat, then think about how you can take that off of your mat. Exactly. And I I think it's taking that, you know, that layer deeper of not just, you know, inhale warrior one, exhale hands to the mat, you know, down dog, but really kind of weaving in these, these deeper pieces and exploring that deeper part of you. It really is. That's to me, that's like where the magic is. Like you can move your body in so many different ways, but it's something that really kind of sets yoga apart is if you have a teacher and a guide that can really kind of guide you to a deeper part of yourself through the practice of yoga, instead of just putting your body into different shapes and setting Mm -hmm. it to, you know, nice music. Yeah, I completely agree. So one thing that I find super interesting about your life is that you actually got to practice with Buddhist monks. Is that right? Yes. I, when, um, right around the time when I was in, um, Missouri, when I was in a place called Kirksville, Missouri, um, and I was really starting to explore meditation. I was like kind of familiar with it. We did some in my 200 hour teacher training, you know, I dabbled in it, but it wasn't like something that I was all on, you know, I wasn't all in yet. And this was when I was having these people that were coming and they were, you know, asking about meditation. I was also teaching in a really, really conservative part of the U S um, you know, things where, you know, I don't teach in Sanskrit, I teach in common English. And, you know, I had people tell me, um, you know, I, I teach kids class and they'd say, you know, please don't use the word meditation. It's against our religion. Um, and just things like that, like a very conservative part. And, and I was okay with that. It was very eye opening to me because I I had moved from, you know, a place in the U S that was very different Mm -hmm. than that. And, um, and there's certainly a way to do it. And I think it's about, you know, meeting your students where they're at. It's not about me and what I want to call it. It's about, you know, helping them. Um, but I did have people kind of asking for meditation or, you know, stress relief and anxiety relief and those things. And I thought if this is what people want and I'm here to help them, I need to go kind of educate myself and learn how to do these things. So I did what everyone does, which is I just went to Google and, um, <laughs> and I just started Googling things. I, I imagine, I don't remember, but I imagine I probably typed something into Google, like, meditation retreats in Missouri or something like that, or meditation teacher trainings in Missouri. And, and, you know, through the deep, dark clicking web of Google, I ended up stumbling across, um, these monks that have a website, which is, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> which, you know, great to begin with. Yeah. Um, and they had a place, um, in the middle of nowhere, like the middle of the Mark Twain forest. If any, if any of your listeners are in Missouri or in that area, and, um, and I just started chatting with them. I sent him an email and I was like, hi, my name is Kelly and I'm interested in learning more about meditation. And I noticed that like you're monks and you meditate and I don't, I just kind of put myself out there and was like, I, you know, help, or yeah. do you have any ideas for me? Or, you know, and then we just started chatting and then ultimately they invited me to come stay with them for a little bit. And so I said, okay, well, why not? Um, my mom was convinced that they were serial killers and I was going to get killed <laughs> in the forest. I mean, like, do, would anybody expect to find Buddhist monks in Missouri? Like, I don't, maybe that is like a thing people know. I'd be like, what? No, I had no idea. And I mean, <laughs> to be fair, if someone else was like, well, 
I met these monks on the internet and I've been talking to them via email and they specialize in this kind of meditation that's all about loving kindness and they invited me to come live with them, but I have to turn in all of my electronics and can't speak to everyone for a few weeks. I would be like, they're going to kill you. Yeah. So, but... It's obvious. No. <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I watch a lot of Netflix. Okay. I watch a lot of true crime. I know how these things happen. So, but I, I felt good about it and I wouldn't necessarily recommend that people go and um, meet people in the forest that they talk to on the internet. But I did, I did my research and I felt like I did, you know, I vetted them and, um, you know, felt good about it and thought it was legit. And so I just said, okay. And I decided to go and just drove down in my car and um, lived with them for a couple weeks and just learned so much. It was so hard, but so great. And that was like where I really felt like not only did I fall in love with meditation, but I had some really powerful experiences where I really like felt the magic of it. So were you able to, were you like quiet the whole time? Like, could you not? Well, I was supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like you're like me where I'm like, like if I can't talk, like I really, really, really want to (laughs) talk. So here's something that I've really been working on just over life is only is like speaking with intention Mm -hmm. and only, and a lot of it stemmed from this experience. So I I was supposed to take a vow of silence with the exception of about one hour a day. I would speak with, um, Bonte, who was the head monk. He was, you know, the teacher, the one I was working with, we would talk about my practice for, you know, I know for 30 to 60 minutes a day. That was the only time I was allowed to speak was with him to kind of explore my practice and, you know, to improve upon it. Um, other than that, I was supposed to be silent. I couldn't help myself. I felt like I was, you know, sitting there eating meals with like the most interesting people. Uh, and I just want to know like, Hey, how'd you guys end up here? Yeah. How, you know, what's anyways. And I just, so I got kind of yelled at that in like a nice Buddhist monk way, but like Bonte would be like, Kelly, no. He'd like, just kind of like shout from like where we're all eating. He'd be like, Kelly, no. Talking. <laughs> and, um, so I was supposed to, but I, I recognized in myself that I was the kind of person that was uncomfortable with silence. And that was really eye-opening to me um, and something that I've consciously been working on and, and something that I just feel like I've really evolved in. And like now I try to only speak if I have something to say and I'm really comfortable and okay with silence to the point where, I don't know, it just, it doesn't bug me anymore, but it was really kind of illuminating as to how much I spoke just to kind of make noise and how much I really didn't need to. That That's interesting that you say that. Cause I, I feel like, I mean, I, I love talking mainly because I, I really just like to speak with other people and get to know their story and like how they came to be and why they live in the place that they live. And, you know, I just, I'm really just genuinely interested in people's life stories, but um, it's funny that you say like uncomfortable as silence because um, when I first started meditating, I was like, or trying to meditate, I think I started with the headspace app, um, maybe like six or seven years ago. And I was like super uncomfortable, just like kind of sitting there in silence. So I would try like a guided meditation or I would just like try to like breathe in and out. And, um, it was really hard for me. And I'm like, how is something so simple, so hard, like having to like turn my brain off, um, and not, you know, get attached to my thoughts and kind of um, being able to just let them flow. Um, and it really, I feel like the meditation really helped me become comfortable with myself because I think for a lot of my life, I was very uncomfortable being like alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think in that way, like meditation really helped me become very comfortable in silence, but also comfortable, like just with myself and learning self-love, if that makes sense. That makes so much sense. And I, I totally understand what you're saying because I think something that is really, well, I mean, there's many reasons. I hear many reasons why people don't meditate, but a lot of times what it is, is we often use just like busyness and noise. Like we just live in a very loud, overstimulating world. And we live in this world of, you know, do more, be more, you know, do this, do that. I mean, especially like as moms, right? Doing all the things all the time. And we never just stop and slow down and be quiet. And I think for many people, the idea of doing that is incredibly scary because there's so much that we push down by just filling ourselves with just more stuff and more things and more commitments and, you know, just, just talking and noise and 
more stimulation and, and these things that are happening beneath the surface just get pushed farther and farther down. And it's kind of almost like, you know, if I can stay busy enough, I never have to actually do anything you know, about what's happening beneath the surface, or I don't have to recognize that maybe I'm feeling depressed or anxious, or maybe I'm not very kind to myself or whatever it is. So when you finally then stop, it's like taking everything and turning the volume down on it. It's, you know, what's going to happen. Like when I start exploring my mind or exploring my feelings, like it might not be that pleasant and that's okay. But I think for a lot of people, that's very, very scary. And that's for a lot of people that, you know, are just, they're kind of afraid of the unknown and afraid of, you know, what's actually going to come up if I start doing this work. And it deters a lot of people from starting a meditation practice that, and also this idea that like somehow meditation is like, like your mind is like a light switch. So right. When, you know, you can just like flip it off and people tell like, I can't turn my brain off. I'm like, well, me either, because if we did, we'd be dead. So <laughs> yeah. it's not about, you know, turning off the brain and, and doing nothing. It's about kind of taking this mental power. I think of it as a light bulb instead of shining it in all directions. We're focusing it on one thing, kind of turning it into a laser pointer. So it's still active. It's not like, you know, just the switch and all of a sudden you're, somehow magically your brain is off and you have no thoughts. And I mean, you, you don't want that. Yeah. And yeah, that, comatose. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a problem. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I feel like, um, so was it when I was listening to one of your episodes where you were talking about, um, was it when your husband was doing like a residency and you had to move to Missouri and you were like crying in the middle of like Iowa or something? Is oh, that what you- yes. That's definitely something that happened. I literally <laughs> sobbed for like the entire state of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I, when I was listening to that, I thought about, um, my experience where we were, um, we moved to New Mexico and mm-hmm. my husband was like, yeah, there's um, a job out there. Like, how would you feel about moving to New Mexico? And I'm like, sure. Like, why not? You know, I was all just like, whatever, you know, you're in the military. I'm here to support you. And then we like got there and I was like, can we go back? What, like, what did I do? <laughs> this is like, this is a really big mistake. I don't think that I can live here. And, um, and so then when I started doing the meditation, I had to I was, um, I really did have to, like you said, like turn the volume down and listen to the feelings and like the thoughts that I was experiencing, because that was like a very, um, that was a really bad time in like my life and my marriage living, living in New Mexico. And so that's kind of why I wanted to start meditation and kind of just to kind of like slow down and like work on myself mentally. And it, um, and it was really hard because I did have to start like feeling all the feelings and thinking of all the thoughts and, um, and it was very uncomfortable, but, um, but I think you have to, you know, feel the feelings and, and in order to move past them, you can't just keep pushing them down. You have to kind of like live in that, um, in order to, to work on it. Yeah. And I think I relate to so much of what you're saying. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners too have had experiences where sometimes, I mean, just in life, big changes get thrown at you like big life altering changes, whether, whether you wanted them or not. And, and even ones that maybe you wanted, and then they turned out a little bit differently than you thought. And it's, it's hard and that's okay. And and to say it's hard, you know, is kind of like minimizing it, but, you know, being moved to a place where you don't know anyone and you feel isolated and everything's different. And, or maybe it's, you know, even right now it's very topical. Maybe you lost your job and, you know, you're trying, there's so many things that life can throw at you. And I think that a really great coping mechanism is doing that, you know, busy, 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 just keep doing things, keep your mind off of it. But all that happens. And I only know this from personal experience of, of doing that for too long until it literally made me ill. And like, you know, then there was a lot of resentment in my marriage and things like that of just trying to push it all down and, and, you know, be like, Oh, it's okay. I'll figure it out. Instead of just feeling the feelings mm-hmm. and there's so much. And, but for many people that can feel like Pandora's box because a lot of times those feelings, one, aren't comfortable and two, they're not what our society would say are, you know, good feelings. They're, you know, quote bad feelings, but I try to challenge that and, you know, tell people like feelings and sensations are just feelings and sensations. They're kind of like colors, right? So like the color blue, some may find it pleasant. Some people may find it unpleasant, but it's still just the color blue, right? So sadness may be unpleasant, but it's not bad or Mm -hmm. frustration may not be pleasant, but it's not 
bad or joy may be pleasant, but that doesn't mean that it's like good. Like if you can kind of separate yourself from this idea of like, there's good feelings and bad feelings and just let yourself feel them and move through it. It's not only very freeing, but it also like you can learn so much and kind of, you know, disassociate and say, okay, I'm feeling a lot of frustration. And you don't have to say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a bad person because I feel so frustrated because of this thing and frustration is bad. You can just observe your feelings and be like, wow, I'm really feeling frustrated because of, you know, A, B, and C. And then you can start working through it. Yes. I love that. That's, I like, I love the feeling or the idea of um, feelings not being good or bad because it's just kind of an indication that something's going on. So you just have to just slow down a little bit and pay attention to what it is and just be curious and, and just ask yourself questions about like what might be going on. And I think a lot with that happens a lot with me with being a mom (laughs) because I'm like, Mm you know, I'm like, oh, I'm so upset or I'm such a horrible mom because of this. Or, um, I'm like, it, it's really easy to just like, to just feel a lot of feelings and then just like move past it. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And we were chatting a little bit before we started recording, but just about like mom guilt and like just the plague of mom guilt and how hard that is. And, um, you know, and that's definitely an unpleasant feeling, like a very unpleasant feeling. And, I think that sometimes though, if you can work on kind of, you know, stilling the waters and maybe tapping, you know, diving a little bit deeper into perhaps how you're feeling about it, or even just being able to retreat within, you know, we get so much of that, that mom guilt and things from the world around us, right. From all the people that are just throwing opinions at you and saying, no, this is the way you should do it. No, this is the way you should do it. Or, um, well, you know, with, when I raised your husband, we did it this way and it worked and you know, there's all of these things. And sometimes you just have to turn inward and, you know, maybe ask like, how do I feel about it? Or if you are really feeling that guilt, why? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of exploring that and digging a little bit deeper. And I, I've found that to be, you know, obviously really challenging and hard, but also, you know, very illuminating mm-hmm. when you can kind of do that introspective work and learn how to still the waters within. So you can really kind of see what's happening like beneath the surface. Yeah. And we just aren't really, you know, we're also not, you know, moms are not encouraged to really take care of themselves. Right. right. They're always giving and giving and giving and trying to pour from an empty cup. And that's just, that's not really going to help anyone. Mm-hmm. And so even these small little practices of, you know, checking in with your own feelings, um, and just in my opinion can really help. And I've heard from a lot of, you know, clients and students, podcast listeners that it helps them to show up then to be like a better mother or a better partner, or even just, you know, a better advocate for themselves. Yeah. So along those lines um, with meditation and like being a mom, like how do you, how do you think that meditation um, could potentially be beneficial um, for, for moms just in general, because that's kind of who I'm speaking to. (laughs) Yes. And I love, I love the mamas. So I'm happy to, (laughs) happy to chat with them. Um, So there's so many different benefits of meditation in general. And, you know, some of the things I'll talk generally, but then I do want to dive into like the ones that I, you know, and and as I list off these benefits, I'm sure both you and your listeners will be like, oh gosh, I need some of that. Oh, anxiety relief. Yes, please. Oh, sleeping better. Sign me up. Right. So there's a lot of things that like then in particular, we know our mamas really need, but you know, some of the benefits we're talking physical, physiological benefits, um, you know, better sleep, anxiety and depression relief, um, you know, building more compassion, better regulation of of emotions, which is, you know, huge. It's hard to not ride that, that roller coaster all the time. Um, also we get healthier hearts. Um, it's great for, um, balancing hormones, which, you know, don't have to explain to all the women listening what, <laughs> what a trip that is. <laughs> yeah. And, and then also you have what happens neurologically in your brain when you meditate and it does not take long, 10 minutes a day over the course of, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 weeks they do um, scans of the brain and they see that the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that has to do with fear, anxiety, and worry, that shrinks. So that's the part of the brain that, you know, if, if I were hiking in Alaska and a bear walked across my path, it would automatically start my fight or flight because I have to either fight the bear, which let's be real, I'm not going to do, <laughs> run away from it or, yeah. or, you know, hide, which I think is what you're supposed to do, but whatever. <laughs> so it, and it's, it's really important, right? That fight or flight is so important for our actual survival as like a species. 
But what happens is our brains can't actually articulate the difference between different stressors or different threats. So that bear versus, you know, the uncomfortable conversation that I just had with someone versus the fight that I just had with my husband versus, you know, just the worry over my child's well-being or whatever it is, my body only recognizes those as stressors and its only reaction is that fight or flight response, right? So the heart rate going up, the worrying, the the not sleeping, the the perspiration, all the, everyone knows what anxiety feels like. And if you don't, let us know because I want to know what your secret is. Yes, me too. <laughs> yes. But what we can do. And so what happens is your amygdala is kind of like any other muscle, right? The more that you work it out and you strengthen it, the bigger and stronger it becomes. And what happens is we know over time, humans are getting bigger, stronger, faster amygdalas. And then people who tend to struggle from a chronic anxiety tend to have this larger part of the brain. So what we're trying to do with meditation is trying to um, basically turn the volume down and give the amygdala a break. And then light up the areas of the brain that have to do with like the emotion regulation with kind of the, you know, rest and digest. So, you know, doing the, the calming, the, the quieting, lowering of blood pressure, you know, lowering of, you know, respiration rate, all of those things. And then also igniting the part of the brain that has to do with focus and concentration and memory. And what happens over time is on a neurological level, our brain actually changes. And so the part that's associated with that fear and worry and fight or flight begins to shrink. And then the parts that are, you know, have to do with not only the rest and digest, but also like kind of the higher cognitive function then becomes stronger. And that's something that I think is not only beneficial for everyone, but is really great for, you know, my mamas because I mean, as soon as, you become a mom. It's just one big life of worry is my understanding. Yeah. yeah. My mother to this day, right. Her, her child who's about to turn 30, my mother to this day is still convinced that like, if I'm physically in her eyesight, I'm somehow like 80% more safe than if I wasn't. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just a mom thing. And you just, you were, and there is so much to worry about mm-hmm. and even like through pregnancy and things like that. And so just being able to even you know, get a little bit of relief from that going on. And then over time, kind of train your brain to not automatically kick into that fight or flight or have a constant light activation of fight or flight, which is what chronic anxiety is, can be one of the most transformational thing. And then so many things will follow after that. You'll start sleeping better. You'll feel better. You won't have that like hairpin trigger. You know, those days where you're just like, and I've, I've worked with a lot of kids and you know, watch them. And I've always been fortunate enough to at the end of the day, be like, okay, here's your kid. Yep. <laughs> be like, Dang oh it. my gosh, like your child is a demon today. Here you go. I'm happy to give it back. <laughs> yeah. Like we all know we have these days where you're just like, what has possessed? Like, I don't like you today. Like yep. you are horrible. And you know, those days where there's just so much frustration. And then for you to just like not lose your mind and just start like screaming and be like, I can't take it anymore. Right. Being yeah. able to like regulate that a little bit more is so wonderful and powerful and something that especially my mamas could, could definitely benefit from. It's crazy how, like how something so simple can reap so much like benefit because I feel like we make it out to be something like, it can't be that simple. You know what I mean? Like people think it can't be that simple as as simple as like doing a little bit of breath, breath work or meditation. Like I pro I shouldn't I be like going to like a therapist or taking medication. And yes, like some people do need that as well, or maybe that is like the thing that will help them. But, um, but I feel like we make it into such a, a big thing where it's like, no, you can do something very simple, something that's free, something that doesn't take a lot of time and your, your life will literally like change. Yeah. And I think there's so many common misconceptions around meditation. So people thinking that, you know, you have to sit, crisscross applesauce on the floor for an hour and like chant ohm. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't have an hour in my day. I don't have kids and I don't have an extra hour in my day to do that. And I'm a meditation teacher. There's no way 10 minutes a day. Sure. No problem that I can fit into my day. Um, but there's also, you know, people think you have to, again, somehow you're magically turning off your brain and people think, Oh, I could never do that. Well, neither can I, it's not about shutting down your brain. It's kind of just about trying to, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like working out, but for your brain, right? Like if I wanted to go get really great, like Michelle Obama biceps, I would go and I would start working out my arms and making them stronger and toning them. And then over time they would get stronger and more toned. 
it's the same thing for your brain, right? I'm not going to think that just because I want it or I did it once. I went to the gym one time that the change is going to happen, but it really it just taking that little bit of time and that there's also no one style of meditation. There isn't a right way to do it. It's about finding the style that's right for you. So obviously a lot of people that listen to my podcast, they really like guided meditations, but there's so many other styles. The style I was practicing with my monks, it was something called, you know, twim or loving kindness meditation. And it was about um, you know, it was very much kind of, there was no guide or anything. You're just working on kind of cultivating this feeling of loving kindness. And there's a whole process to it, but there's, I mean, as many styles of meditation out there as there are stars in the sky. And it's just about finding the one that works for you. Just but, like, you know, everything else, like diet, exercise, like not one specific meal plan is going to agree with every single person's body, but you can find the one that like works best for your body and makes you feel like nourished and energized and, you know, well-fed. So, so meditation is definitely something that anybody can do. Literally anyone. And if somebody wants to start, but they don't know where or how to start, like what would your suggestions be? Like, is there a type of meditation that is easier to start off with, even though, like you said, there's not one meditation that's right for everybody. Like where should somebody start if they want to start meditating? I always recommend starting with guided meditations because you have the help of a guide. And I also think of, you know, and and guided meditations is really just, you know, a guide or someone telling you a story. It might be a little story about following your breath, or it might be a story about, you know, walking a path through the woods and finding your true self. It can be a story about anything. But having that person kind of speaking to you, I think of it as like the bumpers when you're bowling. So, you know, it's not going to, your bowling ball is not going to fly over into the gutter on one way or the other. It helps to keep you on track. And so I find that for most people, that's a really great place to start. And then if you are looking for something a little bit deeper or a little bit different, you could always seek out the help of a teacher or, you know, start kind of exploring more specific styles of meditation. But I found for most people just, you know, a short guided meditation. And that's really what inspired me to start my podcast was to give people just a bunch of those, um, that that's like the best place to start. And then, and then that's kind of the diving board then for other things. I I agree. That's exactly how I started off with. I think I just Googled like, um, how do I start meditating or best ways to meditate? And I think that that's how I I found um, the Headspace app. Mm -hmm. And you have to like pay for it, like when you get to a certain point. So then I stopped using that and I felt like I was like ready to like do something else, some other kind of meditation. Um, But that's where I started. And it was, it was really helpful because they say, because I was so tuned in to like, don't think, don't think, don't think, oh, I'm thinking. And then, and then I would get really upset. And I'm like, this whole thing is supposed to make me less stressed. I'm very stressed out. So, um, so it, it, the guided meditation helped me because they would say, if you have a thought, then, you know, um, acknowledge it and then just let it go. And I was like, oh, you can do that. Like I was so, I thought, like you said, I thought I was like supposed to like, ohm and like cross my legs. And it was like hippy dippy. Like, and I just, but it, meditation is just so like, there's so many forms, so many different ways, like, um, even just, just sitting in like silence, you know, just sitting in silence for like five minutes, like is very like meditative for me. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's how exactly how I started out. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point. Um, cause distractions happen and they will happen. They happen to me all the time. It's going to happen. And, and some of the best advice that I got, um, was when a restra- when a distraction pops up is you, um, you recognize it, you release it, and you return to your meditation. And so basically, you know, and again, there is no good or bad. Same with there is no good or bad meditation. Um, If you're doing it, you're doing it. And, you know, awesome, great. But sometimes you'll feel a little more frustrated or you'll feel like, wow, I was really distracted today. But every time, you know, you think, oh, shoot, you know, I went to the store yesterday, I forgot to get those bananas and I need them for whatever, right? These little things are just the things that pop into your mind, right? And you just recognize and say, wow, I'm, you know, I'm really worried about these bananas. And you just recognize it and then say, okay, bananas, like I'll revisit, you know, in eight minutes, I can figure that out. And then you just return to whatever it is. So whether it's, you know, your guided meditation, it's your breath, whatever it is. And, and you may have to do that maybe a hundred times in a 10 minute span. And that's okay. Then what happens over time is maybe instead of, you know, a hundred distractions in your 10 minutes and all of a sudden it's just 70 and then it's 50 and then they slowly start to reduce. And yeah, I think that a lot of times people think like, Oh, I get so distracted, but that's, that's important 
and that's a part of the process Mm -hmm. and that that's okay. But I usually think like recognize, release, return. Recognize, release, return. I like that. Awesome. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I I wanted to ask you one last question um, just because I'm very, I feel like um, a lot of women that listen to this podcast, including me um, in uh, one of your episodes, you talked about how you um, felt like you had to check all the boxes off um, in your life. And so this isn't that just like that, like plagues women. Don't you think that feeling to like, yeah, check, check, check. Yeah. It's like by the time I'm 30, like I'm gonna have the white picket fence and the kid and the husband. And then Mm -hmm. like, I mean, like who even has that? And even if, and if they do, are they even like fulfilled or happy? Like, because they checked all those boxes. And so what would you say to the girl who, or the mom or, you know, just anybody who feels like they are having to like lead this linear path of what society is or somebody's expectations are of you, like, what would you say to that, that person, um, having been there and done that? Well, that's such a good question. Um, I have several thoughts as you've probably noticed. (laughs) I have, I have a few, so a few things come to mind when you ask me that question. Um, one is I'm a big believer in and questioning, question everything, question yourself, question why. So if you're feeling like, and, and I, I probably in this episode, I imagine I can't quite remember, but I imagine, you know, what I talked about was that I just felt like, you know, I had to, and this was really when I was struggling to start my business. Um, I, I felt like, you know, okay, well, I, you know, I graduated college, you know, check. I'm in this, you know, long committed relationship, which did end up being my husband, you know, but I felt like, okay, you know, I have this committed relationship, check. Then I, I'm like, okay, now I need a a real job. So I went and I, you know, started working in, in management and then became, you know, really started to get high in the ranks when, you know, I was really young and really ambitious and, you know, had the big fancy job. Okay, cool. Check. I've got that. Then, you know, okay, well then the next thing is, you know, I must buy this house or, um, you know, then have the kids and all these things. And I really had to stop and question. And this again, you know, when I had this big kind of, you're talking about, you know, moving to New Mexico, when I found out that I was leaving my home and, you know, I made the choice to leave my home and to move with, um, my now husband, but then was just long-term boyfriend slash partner. And when I made that decision, there was so much that I had to question as to why was I having such a hard time leaving? What was so hard with, you know, really what was, what was going on? And, and I I promise I'm going to answer your question. Um, (laughs) But for me, I realized that it was that wasn't a part of my original plan moving to a place that I lovingly referred to the first time I saw it as the ass crack of America. Like that. I don't know if I can say ass crack. On yeah. Yeah. That's completely but fine. <laughs> <laughs> but the first time I saw it and we're literally talking a place that has like two bars and one Walmart. That wasn't a part of my plan. And that wasn't, that didn't. Are you feel... sure you weren't living where I was living in New Mexico? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, and hence this is why the first time I saw it. And then we drove back, I cried for the entirety of Iowa but I had to challenge that. And it, it was because in my mind, I thought I had to live this like linear progressive life of just in my mind, always moving up and always doing better and always doing the things. And all of a sudden moving to this teeny tiny little place wasn't a part of that, but I had to, and I I had to leave my job. I had to leave everything. I leave my family, everything. And it was really hard for me but I decided when I moved there that I wanted to start my business. And I think this is probably what I was talking about in the episode was how hard it was for me to actually do that because I was so worried about what other people thought. And I really did not have support. Um, I had my mom and my husband was supportive. I don't think he really got it, but he was, you know, he was supportive. He knew it was important to me and, you know, said, you know, go for it. Um, but I don't think even he entirely got it or thought, you know, maybe it was just a phase or something. And, and, you know, that happens. We can't expect our partners to always be, you know, perfect. Um, but I had, I had a lot of people that told me, you know, well, why would you do that? Why would you leave your job? And, you know, teaching yoga, that's not a real job. You know, what if you fail? What if you lose all of your money? You know, oh, you're, you're leaving this big thing just to help people stretch all day. Um, just, a lot of really outwardly unsupportive people. They thought they were helping and saving me from a quote mistake, but I had to do a lot of self-reflection as to what I actually wanted. So if you're listening and you feel like, oh my gosh, I've done all of these things. Is that what you really want? 
If it is awesome, great. Keep checking those boxes If those boxes. And every time you do something is like a, like a, what I call like a soul goal, right? Like you, you feel good and fulfilled and you really want it. Awesome. Keep checking those boxes. But if you kind of dig a little bit deeper and you think, why am I doing this? And you're like, oh, it's because I think, you know, it's, it's part of my, my image or my perception or, you know, so-and-so told me it was a good idea, or I feel pressure from my family to do this thing. Challenge that and think, you know, don't waste your time on things that don't feel good and fulfilling to you, even if it's not necessarily the right, the right option. And I also tell people a lot about judgment and validation. So judgment the criticism that I was getting, it really, really, really hurt when I heard people saying, what if you fail? This is a bad idea. Um, this is a waste of your time, blah, blah, blah. The reason that it hurt was because deep down, I kind of thought that too. And I thought, well, maybe this is a waste of my time. Maybe this is just a silly dream. Like, what if I do fail? And I was scared of that. But once I realized, like when, if someone's being you know, tough on you or just flat out like being a jerk and it really stings, maybe agree with them a little bit. And then dig a little deeper and release that and then return to, you know, is this what I really want? And then, you know, what does the soul want? How can I connect to my true self and kind of live in a way that feels good and fulfilling to me, even if there isn't necessarily a box that society says I should, I should check and then, you know, continue to check in with that. And maybe you, you know, revisit that a lot. And, um, and I think that once I realized, like once I released that judgment of myself, then other people's judgments no longer stuck to me. And that was really freeing and, and really, really powerful. I love that. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that was, <laughs> you tied it all together very well. Okay, I like okay. that. <laughs> I was but like, I, do I have anything else to add? And I was like, nope, I think that was it. <laughs> I think that um, what I have to tell myself and sometimes, you know, like I hear it from other people too, they, they, they say this to themselves. Um, like, I'm happy that you didn't listen to those people because like, or else you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't have all of these amazing things that you're doing now. And you wouldn't be helping these people because like only you have the gift that you have. Um, you, you have the gift of, you know, teaching meditations, um, doing this podcast, doing the retreats and, um, all of that stuff. Only you can do that. And like, it's like people that me, like on some mornings, I'm like, Oh God, like I really needed that. Like, thanks Kelly. Like high five girl, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and like, if you had listened to those people or listened to that, like quote unquote, like mean girl in your head and like, you know, just gave into that like BS story, then you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't have like changed so many people's lives. The world needed something from you that only you could give. And so like, I'm happy <laughs> that you were strong enough to be like, uh, that's BS, you're BS. And I'm going to do it no matter how, how hard it is. Well, I really appreciate that. That's really sweet and kind. And, and I, for me, I mean, it's, it's obviously very nice to hear those things and to hear how my work is positively impacting people. And it's obviously like very validating to like what I kind of felt like in my soul. But a lot of times to me, I have to return to like, am I happy doing it? Like, does this make me like really happy? Mm -hmm. And I try to minimize the things that you can't, I mean, you can't get rid of them altogether, but I try to minimize the things that don't really bring me joy. And again, questioning everything, like, does this really bring me joy? If the answer is no, then why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's a purpose, a valid purpose. Why? And then that's fine. I have a reason for doing it. But a lot of times, you know, if it's something that's coming from outward and, and one thing that I was going to say that I forgot, but now I'm remembering about my validation is if you stop looking outward for validation and start looking inward, everything changes. So if I just, you know, look outward and, and I was waiting for, you know, everyone to, you know, give me a trophy for what I was doing every single day, it never would have happened. And I would have felt really unfulfilled. And, and it's been really surprising. And probably one of the hardest parts about my journey is how all of those people have changed. All the people that said, you know, you're going to fail at the beginning. Now all of a sudden they're, you know, on the bandwagon and they're like, Oh my gosh, Two million downloads. Do I always knew you could do it. And I'm like, okay, people. Um, but what I decided that I was done looking outward for validation and basically respect, and I was only going to look inward. And at the end of the day, I was the only one that had to look in the mirror and say, you know, am I happy with what I'm doing? Am I proud of what I'm doing? You know, do I feel good about the person that I am, the things that I'm doing? And if that answer is always yes, then I know I'm on track. And if the answer is no, then I need to reevaluate. And that's 
easier said than done. That's something I've been working on for, for years, but it really does then boil down to, you know, so many things. If, if you can find a way to just look for that validation within, instead of looking, you know, without it changes everything. And then you only have one person to please. I mean, there's billions of people on this planet. You're never going to please them all. There's no way I will get emails from people that, you know, people from all over the world saying, I love this episode. And then people all over the world being like, you're an idiot. And you know, whatever, like that's just whatever. That's just a part of it. I'm not there to please everyone because one, it will never happen. And two, it will just run me ragging. Mm -hmm. But if I can, at the end of the day say, you know, I'm, I'm, proud of the person that I am. I'm proud of the work that I'm doing. I feel like I'm on my path and I feel like I'm, you know, serving my greater good and showing up in the way I want to. I only have to please one person. And, and the, you know, it really becomes not that that's an easy journey, but it's very freeing to do that. So if you're feeling like you're checking the boxes for other people, like maybe reevaluate what, what boxes you want to check just for yourself. And they might look really different. Yeah. I, and I do think, um, like you said, it's very freeing, um, for all the people pleasers out there. It's like, if you are, um, cause I definitely am a pe- people pleaser. Um, and when you are just worried about yourself, um, it, it is very freeing because I mean, if you're thinking about like your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your neighbor, and like, they all have different <laughs> opinions of you and you're trying to make every single person happy. There's absolutely no way you're going to be able to make everyone happy. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it definitely is freeing. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of times, like I see that, like in my friends and things, um, when it comes down to like parenting, right. Everyone always has an idea of the right way to parent your child. Yeah. And just because it worked for them, or, you know, they write in a book or whatever, like really at the end of the day, you're the only one like you and, you know, if you have a partner or whatever, whatever your situation is for raising your child, you're really the only one at the end of the day that has to look in the mirror and say, I feel really good about, you know, what I, how I showed up for my child or kids. Basically, I feel good about how I showed up for my family today and what I'm doing. And I did my best today. And for me, that's good enough. I mean, there will always be people just have just plenty of opinions about parenting and all that. I don't have to tell you or any of your listeners that we all know (laughs) it, but they're not the one. It's not their kid and they're not raising it. You are the only one that has to be able to be like, you know what? I tried my absolute best today and, you know, I, I showed up for my, my children in the way that, that I wanted to and that I needed to. And that's good enough for me. Yep. I agree. I like to end my podcast with a mantra. I love just being able to like have like an idea or like a thought or a phrase in my head that I can kind of just go through my day. When when things are getting tough, I can just say that to myself and repeat it to myself to kind of just help along the situation. You know, if like Miles is just like screaming and I am like, I want to run out of the house right now and <laughs> never come back. Um, I like to, I just like to have a mantra. So I like to leave my listeners with a, a mantra for the day. Do you have like a favorite mantra that you, that you say to yourself whenever you're stressed out or just any kind of mantra to help, help you be more mindful throughout the day? Sure. And the situations that you're describing, like the ones where you're about ready to like, just, you know, fling yourself out the window. Um, sometimes I like to think, you know, chaos around me, peace within me. Mm. And it helps me to kind of cultivate this idea of like being the eye of the hurricane where there probably is chaos around me, but I'm going to choose to cultivate peace within me. Um, I also really like just, you know, very simple, just, you know, I am enough. What I'm doing enough is enough. Who I am is enough. Um, And reminding myself, you know, of that. Um, This isn't really a mantra, but one of my favorite practices to do is either to start my day and thinking of, starting or ending my day and thinking of a few things that I'm grateful for or taking one time a day to say something kind to myself. Mm -hmm. So that's not really a mantra. So maybe the mantra will be, you know, chaos around me, peace within me. But I kind of challenge your people to um, take a break and say just like one nice thing to yourself during the day. That's awesome. I love that. I, I feel like I don't do that ever. (laughs) Especially as women, we don't. And we're, you know, we don't, and it, seriously, it takes like two seconds. And what you might find is it's hard to, yeah. think, to come up with like a good, genuine compliment about yourself. And it has to be good and genuine and heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even if it's just, you know, Kelly, you worked really hard today and you gave it your best. Yeah. And, and 
just kind of working on cultivating that and taking it. It takes two seconds, but it, it feels really great and powerful. I love that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I feel like I have to set a reminder in my phone though, because I'm not, like a, like an alarm to go off at like 12 or something. Like yeah. say something kind to yourself or else I'll like never do it. <laughs> yes. Or just, or just put it into your routine. Like when you're brushing your teeth yeah. and you look in the mirror, like just either just make it a part of your routine. And it really, it's just a little thing that, that kind of, you know, grows that, that mm-hmm. kind of positivity and self-love and self, you know, adoration. Where can, um, where can people find you like on social media and like on the internet if they, which they should, because I'm obsessed with you (laughs) go and follow you. I like, you have this way of like, I feel like there was like one episode where you were like, and you're walking to like up to like a waterfall or something. And I was like, girl, I am totally there. Like the way that you were (laughs) explaining things, I was like, I can feel like the pebbles beneath my toes. And like, just the way that you have this like way of bringing the imagery like into my own mind, like just, it it was amazing. I was like, I feel like I'm totally there. (laughs) Oh, I love hearing that because that's something that, that was something that really had to, it's kind of strange sharing your own personal meditation and sharing like your descriptions and kind of your, it's a very like vulnerable feeling. Yeah. Um, But I, and so I really like hearing that that feedback and I try my best to really kind of like, you don't have to do a lot of work. You can just listen. Yeah. Um, but you can find me, uh, all over the internet. So wherever you're listening to our voices and listening to this podcast now, if you just put mindful in minutes, um, just in the search bar, you'll see it. Oh, it's a little picture. Uh, I'm on it. So a little picture of my face and, um, it ha- it's mostly just a collection of my personal guided meditations that are less than 20 minutes. And then once a month I do do a free form chit chat episode where I just talk about kind of whatever I want. You can find all the things on my website, which is just yoga for you And that's also my Instagram handle yoga for you online. Awesome. So I, I really appreciate you coming on here. It was, I was like obsessed with you on your podcast, <laughs> but like, you're like a really awesome person to just like speak with You're you're fun. And, um, just, I love your like perspective on things. So I really appreciate you coming on here today. Oh, thank you. I was, I'm really happy to do it. And I've just loved chit chatting with you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today on the growing pains podcast. If you vibed with this episode or think it might add value to someone, you know, please share it with them. Like legit, go send it to them right now or post it on social media and tag me. I am so damn grateful for you and I appreciate being on this journey with you. Talk to you later. Bye.